Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. We want to welcome you to another edition of the Louisiana Delta Crops Podcast. We have with us today Dr. Dustin Harrell, our rice specialist. He's in Crowley today. Uh, I've got with me also Miss Kylie Miller sitting here beside me. We're at Delhi. Uh, we just finished up one day of ag adventures. Uh, uh, actually, Dustin putting kids through a little quick rice program on rice production and the in the products made from rice. So, if we kind of get a little tongue tied, we've been talking since nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> a lot about rice. A lot about rice, and also so Dustin. Uh, welcome to the program again. I know you like doing this, so. We're approaching that time of the year, so kind of update us on some rice program. Talk a little bit about row rice and anything else you want to talk about. Well, yeah, we're coming up on a season pretty quick, and uh, really one of the hot topics this year, especially in northeast Louisiana, is, is furrow irrigated rice, or what we call row rice. Um, there's right. really a buzz about it this year, and from what I'm hearing, that uh, rice seems to pencil out a little bit better than some of our other commodities right now and uh, we'll probably see an increase in acres in the northeast part of Louisiana this year and a lot of that will probably go into furrow irrigated rice. Um, That's correct. I'm hearing it. My parish folks that are planting rice hadn't planted in several years or never planted or interested in it. There's a lot of buzz around it. Everyone's looking into it for sure. Absolutely. I mean every year we take statistical data on uh, how rice is planted and how we, what varieties are planted and how we manage that rice. And, and we started collecting water management uh, over the past few years. And I know both of you have, have helped uh, in your respective parishes in, in gathering this data. But just to give you a little insight, how fast furrow irrigated rice is, is growing in popularity. In 2017 was our first recorded acreage of furrow irrigated rice. And, and we had a reported uh, acreage of about 2,500 acres. 2018, that doubled to 5,000 acres. And then 2019, that tripled uh, to over 15,000 acres of furrow irrigated rice. So every year we've either doubled or tripled in acres. And, and right now, as it sets in 2019, it was almost 4% of our total planted acreage. Now, if you consider about 25% of the planted acreage is in Northeast Louisiana, and all the rice, uh, the furrow irrigated rice is in northeast Louisiana. That would probably put some somewhere around 20% of all the rice in that part of Louisiana is, is in furrow irrigated rice. And that's probably going to jump up again next year, uh, at least double, maybe triple, uh, because now uh, USDA uh, risk management has said that they will ensure furrow irrigated rice as well as alternate wetting and drying. And since now it can be an insurable practice, um, I'd expect those acres to jump again. I'm I'm on board with you. I think you're you're dead right that, that we're going to see that increase, uh, especially with these new guys that are coming back into rice or definitely coming in as row rice. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it in the least. And uh, but you know, if, if you're going to have new growers jump into it that have never done it before, you know they. There's probably a few things they need to know about it before they just jump in. You're and, right. Uh, Why don't you touch that, on that a minute? Sure, we can talk about that. Um, you know, so, some of the major things that, you know, there's some favorable things about row rice um, that makes it attractive. And, 
you know, the, the biggest one that a lot of growers are happy with is less tractor passes across the field. Um, they don't have to build levees. They don't have to tear down levees. And that in itself is, is probably the most attractive thing. And uh, it also helps on yield, too, because now we actually have more land uh, that, that's occupied by rice and not by levees. So, you know, that helps us on our yield-wise. So even if you lose a little bit of yield growing real rice, you gain it back because you have more actual planted acres. Um, you know, we can move uh, non-traditional rice ground and, and, and grow furrow irrigated rice. That's another positive. Uh, uh, another thing that a lot of growers like is the ability, once they've made their beds or, or, or prepared their seabed, if they change their mind and they don't want to grow rice, well, now they can grow soybeans or, or corn or, you know, whatever commodity they want based on, on commodity prices. So it gives them uh, late management decisions or, or the time to, to change their mind. And, of course, there's a water savings associated with it most years. Uh, research has shown that most years, you know, you're going to save some water anywhere from 10 to 40 percent, depending on uh, what you look at. And, uh, and most of the growers seem to get similar yields. But there are some things to watch out for. And uh, first off, I, I would just like to say that if you've never grown row rice before or furrow irrigated rice, don't start off big. Uh, start off with smaller amounts of acreage because there is a learning curve to it. it. It is much different than our flooded fields. And early on especially, it takes more time to manage it because you need to scout it more often. Uh, you need to stay ahead of weed control. You need to stay ahead of uh, making sure that you have moisture in the root zone at all times. Um, and that takes time. So if you don't have the time for that extra scouting early on, you know, uh, maybe, maybe cut back on the acreage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the go ahead. Yeah. Question that I may ask a lot. You know, we traditionally plant the hybrid rices in there because of the blast resistant, I believe. Uh, you know, some the question comes up, you know, what if I don't want to plant hybrid rice and go with a conventional? Yeah, so that's a great question. So uh, anytime you want to favor the development of blast or picularia, um, you grow rice in upland conditions. And that just favors the development of that disease. So that's what we're really worried about. Hybrids are most often planted because they typically have the highest resistance to blast. And, um, but we can grow, um, you know, other varieties uh, as well that have a little bit lower resistance to blast. Um, we just need to manage those uh, and keep a closer eye on them. Uh, typically, um, if we have a variety that, that's moderately susceptible or more susceptible to, to blast, uh, we're really going to manage that uh, using two fungicide applications. Um, you know, you can come in uh, early boot for, you know, a protective uh, application, and then you can come in uh, just before heading or, or right at heading uh, for a heading application. Um, that first application can even be earlier if you see leaf blast coming on earlier. It's just to keep the inoculation uh, of that disease down and knock it back so you don't get, uh, you know, hit with it pretty hard. So if you look in our Rice Varieties and Management Tips publication that we put out each year, uh, Dr. Don Growth uh, does uh, disease ratings on every variety and hybrid that we have in our test. 
And um, what you want to look for uh, are varieties that are resistant, moderately resistant, uh, or moderately susceptible. Those are probably the ones we want to go with. And if you want to go on with one that's a little bit more susceptible, because maybe you have a contract uh, for a particular variety, just know that you run a higher risk of, of getting blast and, and you need to, you know, at least probably pencil in a couple of fungicide applications to, to keep it, keep that disease out. Okay. Uh, just lost it. I had a thought on my head and, it got away from me all of a sudden, Dustin. That's what happens when you get old. Oh, <laughs> I understand That's completely. Question I wanted to ask you, and it just shot right on by me there. Uh, well, weed control is another difference. I don't know if you've thought about that, but typically flooded rice, um, the flood is actually a method that we keep out a lot of our weeds with when we establish that flood. It helps yes. in weed control. Uh, furrow irrigated rice is, is a little bit different because now we're growing it in open conditions and we're constantly wetting that soil and drying it and wetting it and drying it and, and a lot of those weed seeds will germinate and our weed spectrum shifts a little bit. We're going to have more grasses and grasses are a little bit harder to control uh, in a lot of these fields. So um, the main thing we want to do is, is we want to use residual herbicides uh, in our program and we want to overlap those residual herbicides and that buys us a little bit more time because really until that canopy closes we're going to be fighting weeds the whole time so we, we want to start clean and keep it clean and and really do our best using multiple modes of actions and and uh, residual herbicides and and i like to use um clear field uh hybrids and varieties for row rice just because uh, that new path gives us an additional uh, residual herbicide that, that we can use. Okay. I thought of my question. Okay. What, yeah, what is that? Write it down so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> bill bugs. See, Dr. C. Brown put out a good publication of the other day on bill bugs, which is a new, not a new pest to rice because we've always had it on the levees and field borders. It can't survive in water. So now that we're going to row rice, you know, with the, not the permanent flood, we did find them on the Northeast station last year. Uh, what, is there anything we can do up front, seed treatments or anything that might help us with this? Well, not sure. Um, they, okay. There really needs to be more research uh, on bill bugs. Like you said, uh, bill bugs are typically something we see on the levees because a flood will kill the bill bug. So now we're, we're not only do we change our weed spectrum, now we're changing our insect spectrum. And um, we hope that, that you know, maybe uh, seed treatments like a Dermacore or, or something like that may help. We don't really know. But the problem is once you start seeing those whiteheads from a bill bug and you go in there and you scout and you dig around and you find that, it's, that it is the bill bug, it's too late to do anything. Right. Um, so that's the problem. So as this new production practice uh, evolves, you know, our research is going to evolve too. And, uh, hopefully we can have better scouting and management tools for new pests like the billbug that are going to be problematic in, in, in this, uh, type of, you know, production system. Now we should probably mention that all furrow irrigated rice fields are not the same. Okay. And, and I'm saying that because a 
you know, probably about 5% of our furrow irrigated fields in the state of Louisiana are where we actually are using poly pipe and we're watering down the furrows and that water uh, gets released. But probably 95% of our furrow irrigated fields, these guys are pulling a levee at the end of the field or they're putting the boards in and starting holding water and backing that up. Uh, and so, um, you know, on the bottom of the field where you're holding a flood, you're probably not going to worry about billbugs too much, but it'll probably just be in that top, you know, by the end of the year, it might just be a quarter or, or less than half the field that's upland. And that's probably where you're going to have most of the problems with, with say, the billbugs. But uh, we found them on the station last year. Uh, and it was later in the season. It didn't really hurt us because they were late coming in. Uh, I actually thought it was stem bores at first. Uh, well, look a lot like look, that. You know, the, the, yeah. the symptoms of the rice look very similar to stem bores, uh, or at least what we were seeing. But we did find plenty of them. Uh, Dr. Blake Wilson came mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Uh, we actually shot a YouTube video with him of, of looking at them. So, yeah, that's the new one we've got to deal with is the, the blast and the stem bores. I mean, excuse me, not stem bore, bill bugs. <laughs> Uh, Dustin, uh, before we get off of here with you, um, can you touch a little bit on fertilizing row rice? Um, you know, it, does it require more nitrogen than, I guess, flooded rice or what, what's different? Yeah, so the, the difference is, um, well, <laughs> we're going from a field that's saturated to unsaturated, saturated to unsaturated and back and forth. And um, unlike flooded rice where we establish that flood and we keep it on there. Now, when you establish a flood and you have nitrogen in the ammonium form, um, that flood will keep that nitrogen in the ammonium form, and rice can take it up, and it's actually very efficient. It's more efficient than nitrogen applications in any other our any other of our cropping systems, as long as you can get that water on and that flood established quickly, uh, and it goes anaerobic. It's, it's great, very very efficient with nitrogen. In upland conditions where you go from wet to dry to wet to dry, it's very inefficient. And uh, nitrogen is lost in multiple ways. And because it's inefficient to make up for those losses, we actually have to apply more. Um, a lot of our furrow irrigated rice fields, um, our growers, instead of putting a lot up front, like you normally would on a flooded field and flooding that field, now we're gonna use a system where we're applying smaller amounts more frequently. And we often call that spoon feeding. And uh, we're going to spoon feed that rice. Now, every field's different. Uh, and so we're, we're still looking into this. But what seems to work best for me is, is taking what you normally would put pre-flood and um, adding an extra 100 pounds of urea and splitting that up four times in the season and uh, seven to 10 days apart. So um, it's not a, a perfect system, but it is one where we can start with, and uh, it seems to work well. Well, is that all the questions you have for us, Mr. Mario? I believe so, unless Dustin's got something else he wants to add. No. Um, you know, we, we, we look forward to any time that we can have, you know, uh, a more profitable rice crop, and, and you know, this is new and exciting, and, and uh, we're going to try to keep abreast the best we can, and, and, and uh Hopefully our research will catch up with, with industry. Industry has taken off with this, you know, prior to, to having research. And so we're always a couple of steps behind, but we hope to have, you know, best management practice recommendations uh, 
you know, in the coming years to, to for, for this type of um, system. But look forward to, to the new year. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Dustin. And uh, I know it was kind of a last minute deal, but trying to get the information out to our producers before we get too far into the planting season. If it ever quits raining in North Louisiana, we may go back to water seeding. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to. Well, hopefully, hopefully um, the, the seed beds have been prepared. Actually, last year after harvest, we were actually dry. Yes. So I know that a lot of ground was work, and hopefully we have a lot of stale seed bed uh, that we can just burn down. You know, that was something kind of interesting last year when we took this data. Because it was so wet last year, we never had time to prepare our seed beds except right before planting. And we had like a 25% increase in conventional tillage last year just because those seed beds couldn't be made in the fall. Yes. And, but hopefully we'll be back to normal and, and reduced tillage and stale seed beds will jump up in acreage again and uh, move that way. But anyway. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Dustin. All right. Well, y'all take care. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hey, Kyla, that was pretty good. A lot of good information from Dustin there, and uh, I always enjoy visiting with him. Uh, keeps us up to date on stuff, and, and especially as we're moving into this roll rice, it's a new adventure for all of us. Uh, and I like the statistics there at the beginning of the growth of roll rice yes. over the last few years. Yes. It's really interesting to put numbers to that. So. And I'm like him, we could see that triple this year if everybody comes through this talking about it. So it, it could be. Be really interesting year. Mm -hmm. uh, what else we got coming up? All right. So um, we got some WPS trainings coming. Um, if you need a green card, reach out to one of us. I know Dennis and I have got Concordia and Catahoula coming up next Monday. Or do you have any? I've already done one in East Carroll and Madison Parish uh, already. Uh, we're really pushing our guys to go ahead and get them a private applicator's card. If somebody is listening, and needs one, just give me a call. We can work out something. Mm -hmm. And then next week, we've got the uh, Soil Health Workshop in St. Joe. Uh, that starts, I think, at 8 o'clock in the morning, but that's going to be on the 26th of February. Uh, and we're going to try to live stream that one. Dennis yeah. and I have, uh, well, he's got that fancy new camera now. So. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, we got to work some kinks out, but our goal is to try to live stream that. So if you can't uh, make it, you know, Check us out on, I think YouTube is where we're going to be trying to I think to so. We're out. going to try to live stream it on the Louisiana Delta Crop YouTube channel. YouTube, YouTube channel for so, sure. Look at that. Um, And then, you know, Gen Show, if you're interested, Gen Show is coming up in the last weekend of February, that that weekend in Memphis. Uh, in March, if you're interested or your wives are interested, there's going to be a horticulture seminar at 9 o'clock in Winsboro. That's going to be on March the 4th. Um, Come learn about, I think they're going to talk about irrigation and how to identify pests and kind of learn from the ground up because we do these talks sometimes and not a whole lot of people listen. So we're going to try a little hands-on method with everyone there. Um, and then there's going to be a train the trainer on in Winsboro on the 19th. Um, so if you would like to be able to train your workers um, as soon as they're hired, you can show up to that and be able to do that you know, on your own. And then 4-H clubs, if anybody would like to buy a flat of strawberries, I'm going to put this out there to reach out to your local um, office. Um, 
some people are selling for $24 or $25 a flat. Um, but if you would like some Louisiana strawberries, I think 4-H agents are going to head south and pick some of those up and you can purchase them there at their office. And, um, and that's all I have for events. Okay. I got one other thing we want to plug here a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have uh, Dr. Wes Porter out of Georgia. Dennis is going to be doing a podcast with him later on this week. We'll air it uh, next week. And he's going to be talking about planner setups, planner calibration, uh, he does a lot of work with this in Georgia, and he has graciously accepted our invitation. For those of you that may have been at the Precision Ag meeting a few weeks in first of January, he was there. But he's going to kind of walk you through some steps and give you some ideas of what to do for planter calibration, getting set before you go to the field. So be sure to tune in and listen to that one. It should come up uh, next week. And that's all I have. All right, great day. Callie, let's go get some rest because we got to come back and do all this again tomorrow at the Ag Adventures. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Well, we all appreciate right. y'all listening. Thank you so much. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.